Welcome to Read Alouds with Mr. McCormick. Kick back and listen in your sweats to some quality writing from prominent preteen authors. The voice recordings are performed by your favorite failed lounge singer, Mr. McCormick himself. Enjoy. Welcome to the first recording of The Reluctant Journal of Henry K. Larson, a story that traces the adolescent life of its protagonist, Henry, a dorky yet lovable high school freshman who learns hard lessons about the true cost of bullying. While Henry's story begins in tragedy, he learns to come to terms with the terrible crime committed by his older brother. Tune in every day for this thrilling yet dark and oddly humorous story. Enjoy. Friday, January 18th. Intriguing fact, the word psychology comes from the Greek word psyche, which means the study of the mind. I don't want anyone to study my mind. That's just creepy. But dad says I no longer have a choice. Cecil doesn't look like a psychologist. For one thing, his name is Cecil. On his door at the Coastal Health Center, a plastic plaque says Dr. Levine. But when I called him that in our first session, he said, please call me Cecil. When I got home, I looked up his name. And do you know what it means? Dim-sighted or blind. Not a good sign. Cecil has long, stringy gray hair, and he uses a scrunchie to pull it back. A scrunchie! Today, at our third session, he was wearing yet another tie-dyed shirt. Purple this time. Hey, Cecil. I wanted to say, the 60s called. They want their look back. He says, how does that make you feel? A lot. Like, we're on a TV show and not real life. He also says, holy moly, a lot. As in, holy moly, you're 15 minutes late, two weeks in a row. I suspect Cecil is not the creme de la creme of psychologists. For one thing, he is free. Dad says the province of British Columbia pays him, but I don't think they pay him very much. His office is tiny and cramped, and the furniture is cheap, chipped, and stained. Also, it looks like he hasn't been able to afford new clothes since 1969. We haven't talked about it yet. He tries to steer me there. He asks leading questions. But when he does, I just respond in robot voice. I do not know what you mean, humanoid. And he backs right off. Robot voice is what landed me here in the first place. After the whole thing with mom at Christmas, my furies came back and I started speaking in robot 24-7. Right through the move to Vancouver, even. The thing about speaking robot is, it strips emotion out of everything. It is all in monotone. It helps me. But by the eighth day of Robot Henry, it was freaking everyone else out. So dad made my first appointment, and he made me keep it, even after I had gone back to being plain old Henry. Cecil tries everything in his limited toolkit to get me to talk about it. For example, last week I mentioned in passing that I like to write, so today he gave me this notebook. I thought you might like a private place to record your thoughts and feelings. Journaling can be quite therapeutic. I told him I didn't think journaling was a word. When I got home, I threw the notebook in the garbage. Then I got it out later, but only because I was bored. The thing is, Cecil knows all about it. He had a long talk with my dad before our first session, and I bet my Great Dane poster he, so I bet my Great Dane poster that he Googled the whole thing afterward. 
and once he was done reading everything he could find, I bet he wondered why my parents didn't me get into, didn't get me into therapy right after it happened seven and a half months ago. Holy moly, I can imagine him thinking. What took them so long? Saturday, January 19th. Pizza for dinner again tonight. That's three nights now in a row. I guess you could say it's one of the perks of bachelor life. We watched Saturday Night Smash Up while we ate. Dad had two slices. I ate the rest. Halfway through dinner, I had to change out of my pants into my pajama bottoms so my wobblies could have a little more room to breathe. When Saturday Night Smash Up was over, I asked Dad to measure me. Still five foot three. Thirteen years old, and I'm still a pygmy. Midnight. My bedroom smells like curry, thanks to what's-his-head next door. 2 a.m. I can hear Dad snoring. 2.30 a.m. This journal is stupid. Monday, January 21st. Intriguing fact. Killer whales travel in pods. Each pod has a distinct set of clicking sounds, whistles, and cries. It helps them stick together. It works the same for the first year of high school. A bunch of scared kids from a bunch of different elementary schools show up in September, and within weeks, they form their pods. The jocks join teams. The nerds join clubs, like chess or computer. The stoners find a spot behind some bushes just off school property. So when a new kid shows up in January, nobody really notices. They already have their pods, and that suits me just fine. I'm happy to be like Luna, the killer whale that strayed from his pod and swam around by himself for a couple of years off the coast of Vancouver Island. After all, he seemed pretty content. He had a perfectly good life. Well, until he was accidentally chopped to bits by a boat's propeller. But here's the problem. There's always at least one other kid who's swimming also, sorry, swimming solo, because none of the pods will let him in. At Port Salish Secondary, that kid was my brother, Jesse. At Trafalgar Secondary, that kid is Farley Wong. I'm pretty sure he picked up my scent the day I started here, two weeks ago. But today, he went in for the kill. Greetings, and welcome to our planet, Earthling, he said to me this morning, with a thick Chinese accent. I was putting my math book in my locker, which, as luck would have it, is only a door down from his. Farley Wong! He held out his hand. Henry, I replied, skipping my last name. He tried to do an elaborate handshake, but I lost him after the first couple of moves. Where did you transfer from? Vancouver Island, I have replied. Best to keep it vague. We have three classes together, he said, counting them on his fingers. Enriched math, phys ed, and enriched English. I knew this already. Only because he's pretty hard to miss. He's the nerdiest looking kid I've ever seen. I know, I know. I'm one to talk. Pop-Pop likes to joke that I have so many freckles, it looks like I've got a tan through a screen door. And yes, my hair is red and curly. And yes, I am short. And yes, I have to buy my clothes in husky size, which is a nice word for fat. But I don't advertise my nerdiness. Farley looks like the model for that nerd action figure you can buy at novelty stores. He, is a th he has thick Coke bottle glasses. He wears short sleeve button-up shirts and lines the pockets with plastic protectors so the pens he keeps clipped to them don't leak on his clothes. His pants are always ironed with a neat crease down the middle. He belts them up high so the waist stops just under his nipples. And he carries a briefcase. 
You want to talk, sorry, you want to walk to English together? He said. I know a shortcut. He gazed at me, his magnified eyes full of hope. I'm not dumb. I know that being seen with Farley could be like committing so, um, social anarchy. In high school, it's all about first impressions. Just look at what happened to Jesse. But on the other hand, Farley is the first kid in seven months to talk to me like I'm a regular human being. So I heard myself say, sure. Farley talked the whole way to class about a show called Battlestar Galactica. I have the entire series on TV. It's frackin' brilliant. The more he talked, and the more bits of, sorry, the more he talked, the more bits of spittle formed at the sides of his mouth. We rounded a corner, and a big guy in jeans that hung well below his bum bumped into Farley, accidentally on purpose. I recognized him. His locker is across the hall from mine. Nice slacks, Fartley, he said. Then he kicked me. Not too hard, but still. Sorry, he said. I thought it was kick a ginger day. I've seen episodes. I've seen that episode of South Park too. I retorted. Years ago. Pretty still joke, don't you think? Okay. I didn't say that, but I thought it. That's Troy Vlasic, Farley said after he'd sauntered away. You want to watch out for him. He was quiet for the rest of our walk. Oh, well, he said when we reached English class. I guess there's a Troy Vlasic in every school. True, I thought. But at Jesse's school, his name was Scott Marlin. Farley latched on to me like a leech for the rest of the day. In the afternoon, we had gym together. I'm not very good at sports, but compared to Farley, I'm an Olympic athlete. He's awful. The funny thing is, he doesn't seem to care. We played volleyball, and when finally he managed to hit the ball over the net, he shouted, yes, even though it was way out of bounds. And guess what? He wore his gym shorts pulled up to his nipples, too. So, you could say Farley was my first new friend. But it's kind of like the first car you buy. It gets you from A to B, but from the moment you own it, you're constantly dreaming of the day you can get an upgrade. Mr. McCormick gets that one. 11 p.m. The water stain on my bedroom ceiling looks like a puffer fish. 1 a.m. I think I'll write a little story about Jesse. Cecil would probably pee in his pants if he knew. But he never will, because I'll never tell him. Why Jesse Was Never Accepted Into a Pod by Henry K. Larson The first week of school at Port Salish Secondary, the new kids did bonding activities with the older kids. Bowling parties, pizza parties, that kind of thing. It was the school's way of making them feel welcome. On Friday, each new kid had to get up on stage in the auditorium and say a few words in front of the entire school. When it was Jesse's turn, he said he liked playing on his PS3 reading man manga, and watching the Global Wrestling Federation's Saturday Night Smash-Up. It was a little dorky, maybe, but no big deal. So we couldn't figure out why the entire audience was laughing like crazy. When he left the stage, the principal took him aside and said, Jesse Larson, XYZ. What? XYZ, examine your zipper. Jesse looked down. His fly had been unzipped during his entire speech. Again, no big deal. Except it was. Mom had told Jesse the week before that she refused to do any of his laundry unless he put it into the hamper. And Jesse never got around to it. So when he discovered that morning that he was out of clean Y fronts, he decided no underwear was better than dirty underwear. That's right. He went to school commando 
meaning every single kid at Port Salish Secondary didn't see his underwear through his fly. They saw his you-know-whats, his family jewels, his nuggets, his love spuds, his balls. A kid in the front row took pictures with his phone. I was still in elementary school and didn't have a cell phone, but lots of kids in my class did. So, along with every other kid at Port Salish and beyond, I saw the photographic evidence within the hour. The school went into overdrive, of course. This is a form of bullying, and we will not tolerate bullying of any kind. Blah, blah, blah. The photos got taken down pretty fast, at least the ones that were posted on Facebook. But the other stuff, the stuff the grown-ups couldn't see or maybe didn't want to see, had just begun. Scott Marlin gave Jesse his nickname, the one that stuck through his first two years of high school until he put an end to it for good. Ballsack. For almost two full years, the boy formerly known as Jesse was called Ballsack. Some kids even called him that in front of teachers who thought they were calling him Balzac after some dead French writer. I'm not saying Jesse didn't have his quirks. Scott would have found other things to tease him about. His zits, which were bad. His obsession with Global Wrestling Federation. The way he giggled when he got nervous. But the Balzac event was the biggie. It was the match that lit the fuse that exploded in our faces last June. As my enriched English teacher Michelle would say, that, Henry, is what we call an inciting incident. Thursday, January 24th. I stand corrected. Farley does have a pod. It was lunchtime, and we were at our lockers. Troy was across the hall with a couple of friends. When he closed his locker and turned around, he was wearing a pair of nerd glasses, the dollar store kind with thick plastic rims and fake magnified eyeballs stuck to the lenses, meaning they make him look a lot like Farley. Hey guys, Troy said, trying to imitate Farley's Chinese accent. How's it hanging? His knuckle-dragging friends cracked up. A couple of girls started to laugh a little too. You could tell they were trying not to, but it was hard. Troy's impersonation was pretty good. This was Farley's brilliant comeback. So funny, I forgot to laugh. But nobody else forgot to laugh. Because the real Farley sounded a lot like Troy's fake Farley. Even if I had to sw even I had to swallow an involuntary snort. Troy and his friends walked away. From the back, they looked like triplets, their jean legs bunched at the ankles, the waist stopping midway down their butts, their shoulders uh, sloped. What a bunch of Neanderthals, I said as I turned back to Farley. That's when I saw the look on his face. I knew that look. I'd seen it on Jesse's face lots of times. After he'd had another run-in with Scott, it was a complicated look. Part, I hate Troy. Part, I hate myself. I was born with poor eyesight, he said. It's not like there's anything I can do about it. At least you weren't born with two heads, like this Mexican guy in the 1900s, I told him as I closed my locker door. Or with, um, what is this, hyper... Hypertrochitis? Sorry about that. Hyper, what is, what's hypertrochitis? It's when your body produces crazy amounts of hair, even on your face. You're like a human werewolf. Farley peered at me, blinded. Why do you know that? I didn't know what to say. How to explain that in our family, our idea was of fun was to play Balderdash or Cranium, or that our favorite TV show after the GWF's Saturday Night Smash-Up was Jeopardy and that we'd try to answer the questions before the contestants did, or that our favorite books were Uncle John's Bathroom Readers, which were full of weird facts. So I didn't explain. 
I just shrugged. I like trivia. Farley's eyes got even wider behind his glasses. You're coming with me, he said. Then he grabbed my arm and started pulling me down the hall. Where are we going? We need one more member. You're exactly what we're missing. Member for what? But he didn't answer. He just took me up the stairs to a classroom on the third floor and pulled me inside. Six other kids were already in there, eating lunch. They pushed their desks together in the middle of the room, so they faced each other, two rows of four. On the desk sat a black box of red with red buttons on top. It looked like something out of a low-budget sci-fi movie. Hey, everyone, Farley said, out of breath by now. This is Henry. He's joining our team. What team? I said. Reach for the top. It's kind of like Jeopardy for kids, except you compete against teams instead of individuals. Meaning it's the kind of team that attracts nerds the way dog poop attracts flies. Before June 1st, this would have been a dream come true. I love this kind of stuff. But I saw what happened to Jesse in high school. High school can be a game changer. When you're little, you can let your freak flag fly. You can tell people all the weird things you know. You can sing in public. You can go to the park wearing tidy whities over your pants and pretend you're the Great Dane or another one of your favorite wrestlers from Global, from Global Wrestling Federation. I know this because Jesse and I used to do it all the time. But when you get older, all that changes. You learn that it's best to fly under the radar. I know I can't change my stupid red hair or my stupid freckles, but I can lower my freak flag. So I tried to say thanks, but no thanks. But before I could get the words out, Farley was introducing me to the other kids. Henry, meet Parvana, Shen, Ambrose, Jerome, Koala, and Alberta. They all smiled and said hi, except for Alberta. Her head stayed buried in a copy of Us Weekly. I recognized her. We're in home ec together. I even spoke to her once. We were sitting across from each other at our sewing stations last week, and I said, why are you called Alberta? Why not Saskatchewan or Manitoba? And she said, wow, new guy, original, never heard that one before. Rude. You know that song they used to sing on Sesame Street? One of these things is not like the others. Alberta is that thing. Aside from her, everyone in that room looked like they belonged on a reach for the top team. Consider these facts. A boy named Ambrose wore a ratty-looking multicolored toque with a pom-pom on top indoors. He also wore neon green socks. The one named Shen clutched a Rubik's cube. Need I say more? Parvana wore a t-shirt that said, sorry, that read, the geek shall inherit the earth. Koala snorted. I don't mean once or twice. I mean all of the time. Quiet little snorts every few seconds, like a nervous tick. Jerome wore sweatpants and a shirt that rode up his stomach to reveal several layers of flabby white flesh, and he didn't even seem to care. Yeah, yeah, I'm one to talk, but if I'm 20 pounds overweight, Jerome is at least 100, and I would never, ever let my wobblies show. Now consider Alberta. Her hair is short, brown, and spiky, a lot like, like the Great Danes, but just a different color. She has a gold stud in her nose and one above her eyebrow. Some people might call her chubby, but as someone who has been, sorry, that has once been called that, twice myself, I prefer the term well-proportioned. She was wearing a plaid skirt with big bold sorry, big gold safety pin that stopped just above her knees, black tights, and purple Doc Martens. On top, she wore a white t-shirt with the slogan, John Deere Tractors. 
She is the opposite of a nerd. Then my socials teacher, Mr. Yankovich, came into the room. He's a grown-up nerd. All you have to do is look at his feet. He wears Birkenstocks with white tube socks, even in winter. Coach, this is Henry, Farley told him. He's going to join the team. No, I'm not, I wanted to say. But yes, Mr. Yankovich didn't give me a chance. Hey, Henry, that's great news. Everyone, take a seat. I was officially trapped. I wanted to kill Farley. And I think he knew it, because even though he sat right across from me, he wouldn't meet my gaze. Mr. Yankovich gave us each a cord, which we inserted into the black box. Each cord had a red button on the end. If you pressed it, it buzzed. And one of the and sorry, and one of the eight red lights on top of the box lit up. Jerome, Koala, Shen, and I sat facing Ambrose, Parvana, Farley, and Alberta. Mr. Yankovich started firing questions at us. They were broken into different categories, like open questions, team questions, snap starts, and who am I's. Here are the questions I remember. Question one. In the internet world, what does URL stand for? I had no idea, but Shen and Farley knew. Uniform Resource Locator. Question two. What river did Julius Caesar cross? The Rubicon. I knew that. In 55 BCE, what island did Caesar and his legions invade? No clue, but Parvana knew it was Britain. Question four. On the periodic table of elements, what does CD stand for? Cadium. I would have guessed that if Shen hadn't buzzed it in first. Question five. Spelling round. How do you spell utopian, incessant, or dichotomy? I got utopian right, but Ambrose buzzed in on the first and the other three. Question six. How many baby teeth do humans have? How many adult teeth? 20 and 32, answered by yours truly. Question seven, which Hollywood actor is related to Josie Ferrer, Rosemary Clooney, and Debbie Boone? George Clooney. Alberta got that one right. She only buzzed in for questions about movie stars and pop music. I confess, the lunch hour flew by. As Farley and I walked back to our lockers, he said, next practice is on Tuesday. Be there or be trapezoid. Huh? Square. I'm not joining the team, I said. Oh, you'll join, he said as we arrived at our lockers. What makes you so sure? As if on cue, Alberta appeared from around a corner, clutching a binder that was covered in doodles. Hi, I said. She just scowled and kept walking. Rude. Farley smirked. That's what makes me so sure. I could feel my face turn red, which when you already have red hair and freckles, is not a good look. Her? Please, she's a total stuck-up. But Farley grinned smugly as he closed his locker door. See you in gym class, he said. Then he walked off down the hall, listing sideways, humming to himself. And that's it for today, guys. Please make sure you complete your journal entry for our read-aloud for today. Have a great day, everybody.